You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everybody, Russ and my Hammers 11. Hope you're all safe and well. If you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing and hit the bell icon so you're made aware of any time we put new content on. Uh, today's guest, um, he's a fellow Luff, Luffbrarian, Luffbrarian, Luff, I don't know, he went to Luff for the same as me. Uh, yeah, he's Luffbrarian, that sounds good. It, it's it's Phil Tierney. Hi Phil, how are you man? No, I'm good, thanks Russ, thanks for having me on. Absolute pleasure. How are you? How's things in this weird I'm world good. we live in at the moment? Yeah, I'm teaching at the moment. So I'm working locally um, in, in, in Hornchurch, um, teaching some students and a few West Ham fans there to boot. But Good. you do get quite a lot of sort of Spurs and Man United. So I'm trying to keep the tra- tradition going. Um, nice. Yeah, it's been times without the football, isn't it? Like being able to go, I do miss it. Um, but yeah. I've been doing a lot of these kind of 1 to 11s with some of my friends, actually. And we've had great fun kind of like reminiscing over the old times. So. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, so it's great. Good. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, that's what it is, isn't it? I mean, you've got a lot now. You have got more time in your hands. A lot more time than not as much as before, and but you still got more time in your hands. And yeah, stuff like the one to elevens and and your greatest yeah. players and things like that. You've just got time to think back, and I think that's why everyone sort of enjoyed going coming on the channel because it gives them a chance to, as you said, sit back and and sort of reminisce a bit, which is nice because there's so much going on all the time. We don't get the chance to do that very often, do we? So no, it's great. No. Yeah, so no. it's good. I mean, that was one of the things coming out of when we was in proper proper lockdown, I call it, was that everyone would literally have, would be watching old games and old reruns of matches and things like that because there was nothing new on. And so, you know, people could relive their, their youth and their, their first games and, and things like that. And so, yeah, it was lovely. And um, hearing everyone's stories and stuff like that, That's I love because I just... Yeah. That's it's a great it opportunity. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I could talk about it all day long. So I'm delighted yeah. to do so. Good, 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 good. So Phil, so for you, um, I see the I see the Avco top. What? Why are you yeah, a West Ham yeah. fan? What's your What's your story? What's your origin story? Well, I'm from grew up in Halbwoods in Romford, so West Ham's obviously a well yeah. supported club in the area. My mum's side of the family from Stratford, and she's they support West Ham. So my grandfather lived a stone's throw from the stadium. 
so I go with them. Um, go to, and my dad was actually in advertising at the time. Um, and around 85, 86, or that, obviously that famous season, um, his, his company started sponsoring the games uh, up to Park. So the, the old days with the advertising books, Rapier was the, was the company. And dad would take me along to the games there. So I just fell in love with West Ham uh, at the time. Um, my first game was in 86 against Wimbledon, and we lost 3 2. So you saw very contrasting, even then, styles of football. Yeah. Um, with it, with a crazy game, and uh, but I just fell in love with uh, West Ham and everything connected. As soon as I went, I was hooked. You know, six years old back in the eighties. Yeah, and is you're right. It's one of those things, is it? Once you're in, you're hooked, isn't it? I haven't interviewed. I've always interviewed two hundred people so far, and no one said, "Oh yeah, I watched the first game. It was alright. I didn't bother going back." Now everyone's like, first game, I'm hooked. I'm in." And once you're in, yeah. you're in. You can't get out, can you? You can't get yeah, out. Exactly. And I've tried to escape many times, but just been unable to do so. <laughs> it's a bit like um, it's about like those sort of you know those finger traps. The more you struggle, the tighter the tighter the grip gets, and that's a bit like West Ham. You know, the more you struggle with it, the more yeah. it pulls you back in. And um, exactly, exactly. Particularly during lockdown as well, because obviously you know people yeah. have gone. Oh, I really miss it. You know, a lot of people yeah. have been interviewing. Um, they've said that you know. I don't know about you, I watched some of those old uh, season reviews that they, uh, I think Robert Banks... Yeah, Robert Banks, yeah, yeah. They were fantastic. So I was really good reminiscing with those. Um, particularly some of the players I'll talk about today were, were prominent on those as well. So as I, went, I started going in the 80s, and then, but my real love, I, I suppose, kicked on with under the sort of Billy Bonds and Harry Redknapp times. Uh, they were special for me in my... I'm being 40 years old, you know, that was, that was the kind of era I... Look back most of them with fondness, you know, a bit too young to remember the John Lyle at, at the peak. Although my first game was in 86, but, you know, I was only six or seven years old. So, uh, yeah. you know, I think the Ridnap era, era was probably my, my most Yeah, I mean, is, are you almost identical? I mean, I'm, I'm, pro, I'm about, well, I'm a year younger than you, so I've just turned 39. Yeah. So, yeah, so literally, it, yeah, I'm exactly the same. It was the Billy Bonds and Harry Redknapp era was sort of when I bloomed into being a West Ham fan and... Uh, and, uh, you know, not a bad time to jump on. You know, the Red Nap era, I think, was probably the most entertaining era we've had in, in the modern day, so to speak, in my lifetime, that's for sure. Um, that's right. It wasn't dull, was it? <laughs> no, it sure. wasn't. No, we've, had, we've interviewed quite a few of the, of the players around that time. And, yeah, there, there's a lot of stories. There's, there's a lot more to come as well. And we've got a few more to yeah. come as well. But and, and that's what it is. They and, and I just think that era was just such a, a fun era. It was just so... I've said it before, it's a bit like a soap opera. It really was. You know, there was just like you had the protagonists, you had the sort of the elder yeah. statesmen, your 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 Ruddocks and Wrights and Stuart Pierces, you mm. had your young pretenders, your Rios and Lampards and stuff. Yeah. Then you had this little sprinkling of foreign talent. Um, maybe not so much talent with your boogers <laughs> and stuff like that, but it was oh, uh crazy. Yeah. But it was great. It was great times, man. Yeah. And I mean, obviously now with restart and obviously the game's all behind closed doors, I think people appreciate the sort of distraction of football even more now. Um, yeah. A lot of people I interviewed said they were they found it a bit of a chore going to West Ham the last few years, but it's something which they're a chore they want to do again. Do you know what I mean? So it's almost yeah, like they, no, I agree. I agree. they're sort of I'm crying out to get I'm back. But uh, I mean, I did prefer Upton Park, if I'm being completely honest, but I'd rather go to football and go shopping on Saturday. I remember in my early days, I said to my dad, my dad, when I was old enough to choose to go by myself and I went with friends, I said to my dad, like, my dad picked me up, what, what do you think? Because I went without him for the first time. And 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 no, and, and, and then I went to the cinema the following week. And I said, cinema just doesn't compare with going to football on a Saturday. Just, there's, there's no contest here. 
I, I know what I want to do. I want to go and watch football every Saturday. And that was me. And obviously, they, they're on different days now. But, um, you know, uh, that was, I was hooked. So I just wanted, as soon as I could go by myself, I started going by myself. I met a great, I've met some great friends through being a West Ham supporter uh, yeah. and friends for life, really, who I consider family as well. So it's great. Yeah, it is. And it's the same as you. I mean, it always used to be Saturday. If West Ham at home, obviously, we'd be going. And then we bought, for a while, we bought uh, Orient season tickets as well because they were like a tenner for like under 16s. Oh, yeah. yeah. That so was when, to... when Barry Hearn came in and he, yeah. he offered them for a tenner. I was under under 16 as well. And I went to about yeah. three or four games. So I had seasons to get at West Ham and Orient in the same year. <laughs> so that was good. They were good times. They were good times. They were good times. It was different football, wasn't it? The Orient football. I used to go, I used to love going it because you would go on your own. It was like because you could get on the on the train. Yeah. I was at Loughton at the time, so it was literally a few stops away. So it was easy. Yeah, yeah. I used to jump on at um, Harold Wood to get the train to Stratford, and then you know, if you're in late, a couple of stops. That was good. And again, that yeah. sense of independence, like going by yourself. You Definitely, know, nothing I'm doing in my spare time and going much football. So. Yeah, exactly. And that, and I think that's why people, you know, that, that sort of early teenage years, people sort of hold dear to them in terms of their footballing, who, who they saw, because it was that sense of independence as well, wasn't it? It's the first time you could, your mum and dad would let you go away and stuff like that as well. So it's it's all about coming of age, isn't it? And, and I think that's why yeah. those type of players around that era, you have really dear to your heart because of that exact reason. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah yeah. yeah, it'd be interesting how we perceive the modern, the modern players in, you know, 20 years' time. It'd be interesting how how they look back upon Yeah, yeah, exactly. For the younger fans, so the less experienced fans, not younger fans, less experienced fans, um, yeah, who, like, you know, they've they've grown up with the, you know, Lanzinis and Andersons yeah. and Hallers. be interesting to see if they still have the same. I don't think they will, because I think football's changed. Mm. Um yeah. And that and that's something which I which is which I think is really sad. Um, in, in fact, how how football has modern football has changed compared to even when we were going. I mean, you know, when we first go, it's in the nineties. It's not a million. It's you know twenty, you know thirty years ago, whatever. Um, yeah. it's completely changed. You know how how yeah. players interact with fans and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's it's a shame. You know, it's like as, as I've mentioned before when I was at, when I used to live in Loughton, I used to work at Safeways, and you know, you'd have Shaka would turn up with, with shopping yeah. or some Yabu or Paul Kitson, and you wouldn't get that now. You wouldn't get, you know, I live in Hornchurch as well. You wouldn't get, you wouldn't get Sebastian Haller turning up no. to the co-op at the top of the road, at Osborne Road, um, with Very unlikely. Very unlikely. No. <laughs> I mean, you see, I used to see him in Romford, a lot of the players, and you probably did too. Yeah. I mean, we, and this is like the late nineties. We go out, and uh, there were one night there were there were you know, Paul Kitson was there, and uh, Joe Cole. Um, I think John Terry used to hang about with him a little bit as well in that crowd um, yeah. back in the day. And um, that was the days we used to pay by cash when you went out. And I've never seen anyone carry as much cash on as Paul Kitson at the bar, and it was like a wad of cash, like. You would not believe, and you just wouldn't see that anymore. And he was buying yeah. everybody in the vicinity drinks, and it, well, you know, it wasn't cheap to go then to go out as it isn't now. But he certainly had a lot of it. And bear in mind, he was kind of in the reserves at the time. This was a couple of years into his spell, and I just thought, yeah, even then, the amount of money these guys were running a bit before he minutes it's better now. Yeah, but uh, you know, still, still a decent. But you know, again, it was the last real time you sort of seen that that interaction with the players close up. 
very true. Um, Although I did see, I did see Paul Kitson. I know he's a bit of flash with cash because I saw him in Woolworths in yeah. Loughton with a a bag of picker mix. It was like a bin bag, I tell you, Phil. It was a, like a bin bag of picker mix at Woolworths, and I was like, oh my god, yeah. how cool is that? <laughs> yeah, we've been time and envy in Rockford. Michael Carrick and I actually so I actually recognised Michael Carrick. I was the first one to my claim to fame was I recognised Michael Carrick for the first time when we played Spurs in uh, when we beat one 0 the first game in 99-2000. Uh, Michael Carrick was on the bench. We just won the FA Youth Cup that that's that season the summer before, which obviously uh, goes down in West Ham folklore. Yeah. And um, I recognised Michael Carrick from there, and he's very he's very tall if you meet if you ever meet in flesh, and I'm about six foot one, but he was actually towered above me. And um, I sort of said to him like. You play for West Ham, and I didn't realise he was Geordie. So I was talking to him and stuff. He's very, very shy. And mm. I sort of said, you know, how often do you get recognised when you come out? And he said, well, this is the first time I've been recognised. This was in um, in Life Bar in Romford. And I said, really? You must get recognised. And he said, no, no, first time I've, first time I've been recognised. So um, I'll always remember that. He was a lovely guy. I had a lot of time for you. And then as his career pro- progressed on, he had more and more people around him. Couldn't yeah. get anywhere near him in the, in the social side. But he's a lovely guy. I remember. I'm sure he hasn't changed. Hope he hasn't changed too much anyway. No, I don't think, uh, no, I wouldn't think, you know, he, he, that again, that, that lot never seemed to, they all seemed like to be like really grounded players. Do you know what I mean? Like Joe yeah. and him and Rio. I mean, even if you'd yeah. walk down the road now and you saw Rio, if you went and talked to him, he'd, he'd have time. You see, I mean, I know he put stuff on Twitter and of him like talking to kids and following them on Twitter and yeah. stuff, but you just get that, you know, that's obviously PR people, but you, you think, uh, you know, all them lot still, you know, would, would stop and have a chat with you. Same as the, the same as same as the players like you know like we took you know I've had like like Moncur and and Bish yeah. and people like that and they just you know and to be honest they make you feel like when you interview them they make you feel yeah. like you're their best mate. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah, yeah. there's a definite affinity with players. I've done a few, I've done yeah. a bit of um, the old hospitality game and um, Georgie Paris was yeah he was the manager. He, he's so lovely and very dark down to earth. Stop beer. You know, really talks about the old times. I let these guys talk about the old times for ages. Oh, and okay. uh, yeah, and uh, in recent years, um, got to know Danny Williamson pretty well from from Jimmy. He, he uh, keeps himself uh, very fit and in shape. See, uh, now, and Danny, now, now Danny, Danny Williamson is one of the ones that people keep emailing me about. So we'll talk. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk. We'll talk later, Phil. But yeah. Danny Williamson yeah. is, is the one. You do well to get him a on here or b into the new stadium. That 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 is a hell of a challenge for anybody. Uh, who knows Danny? Um, I think he just likes to keep it. He might be listening to this at some point, but he just likes to keep him keep his life separate. And stuff. But there's a few. Uh, there's a few people like that. Is there? There is a few people like that. A few sort of the even the West Ham so called you know even the legends so to yeah. speak. Um, you know they have they've they've you know I've reached out and to be fair they've come back to me and go you know I yeah. I like to I was like okay no worries you know no problems um, but you know, that's yeah. fair enough. Um, but anyway, let, let's go on and talk about your eleven because I'm interested about it, Phil. Because as I said, we've got we share a very yeah. similar similar timeline. Um, yeah. The only rule is you have to be alive to a scene and play. That's it. You can pick who you want, yeah. whatever formation you want. Just have to yeah. be the best players, favourite players. I don't know, sick note eleven, whatever, mate. It's up to you, man. Whatever you want. I'd to go down the route of the best players I've seen. But um, yeah. I'll say the game was in 80, 86, 87 against Wimbledon. And the likes of Alan Devonshire, Ray Stewart were playing then. But I just don't remember them too well at their No. Pick. So, I mean, they would make a lot of all-time 11s. I fully appreciate that. Uh, but for me, I'm trying to go on with what I actually remember and when I can actually judge a player. Um, exactly. I think I'm a reasonable player. So exactly. that was the, um, 
my criteria for selecting the 11. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, so do you want me to start with? Uh, we'll start off in goal. Go on, we'll go with the keeper. I'm probably a popular choice, but I couldn't look beyond Ludo as the goalie. Yeah. And I always remember the game against uh, Manchester United, and the, the last game of the season when he effectively denied them the, the title. And he was absolutely outstanding that day. And apparently, he's one of the fittest guys at the club when he was there. When they used to do the runs over Haynort Forest, Ludo would be up the front, uh, one of the one of the fittest guys. Um, and Dixie, who also will inevitably make my team, um, was, was near the back. So Ludo could actually yeah. run a lot of these guys' rackets. Um, oh, and also, he could bring them under the table as well, by the count. So that's what... Um, I don't think I've ever met Ludo, but uh, yeah, I'd love to meet him. Bear in mind, he couldn't speak much English when he came no, over. No, but... and, and even now, you know, we've, we've tried to get him on the channel, and even now, he's like... Uh, do you know what? My English is so crap. Um, yeah, I was like, no one cares, Ludo. Honestly, no one cares. I'm sure it's not. But, uh, yeah. yeah, he's probably just a very modest player, but a fantastic goalkeeper and um, a great command. I mean, to replace Phil Parks as well was no easy um, task. I mean, obviously, Alan McKnight came along. Uh, nice guy, Alan. Do know Alan uh, for a friend. Um, but he's not quite in the same league as, no. as dear old Ludo. So, no, Ludo would be the goalkeeper. Um, yeah. I've gone for a back four as well. Nice. Um, nice. Again, Tim Breaker was close in the right back sport because I mean, there's some great times with Timmy Breaker overlapping, great engine, great work ethic. I think just great bloke all round in the no. like, players will tell you. The players. Um, but I went for Lucas Neal, a right back. Yeah, Lucas. Um, he just seemed to have such a big impact in that great escape season. Yeah, he did. 2006 7 when we stayed up and uh, Listening to a lot of your guys on the show, they've said how instrumental he was in the mm. dressing room. Some of his um, kind of team talks. And very underestimated as the captain of West Ham. Um, mm. He was only there a couple of years, but for me, he was a very good player. Nothing got past him and he had a huge respect of all his teammates. But for me, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big thing. Yeah, um, totally. Work yeah. great, work good. Yeah, so go with Lucas Neal at right there. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, with, I mean, with yeah, that, sorry, sorry for with, with that, no, I, I'm... I'm with you in terms of when you when a play when you hear like it's not just one player you right said three or four players we've interviewed in that time and they've all said how great Lucas New is that to me means a lot more because he's in there day and day you know obviously we can think he's a good leader we can think that but actually to see it from there it's like yeah I just uh, really rate it go on sorry I'll let go, go you carry on man I'll tell you who was a good captain you wouldn't it's Lucas Neal, you know, people say in that kind of way, like we've surprised uh, to the outsider because, mm. you know, he wasn't necessarily known as being an amazing captain for West Ham. Um, but no, he, but he was a very good player and he could start anywhere in the back four. Um, and I think he was huge in that time when he came in and justified his um, his wages. I mean, obviously signed for us for a reason in Liverpool, <laughs> but um, I think that was a great signing by Herbs, I think it was at the time. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So um, centre-backs, I went, this was a tough one because... I'd say in terms of ability, um, the, the best two I've, I've seen are um, Rio Ferdinand and Alvin Martin. Mm. Um, and, and Alvin makes the team because he played on um, in the 90s. Because um, some of the guys of the greats of 85, 86 who didn't play on didn't make my 11 for that, just because of my age, really. Um, yeah. but Alvin was a tremendous player. And I remember a couple of games when he played under, under Harry, when he, when he came in. And he hadn't played for ages. He hadn't really trained. He came in and he was just a different class to everybody else. Mm. And um, a lovely guy as well, definitely honorary Cockney, um, despite being from you know Liverpool, took the club to his heart, played and captain the club yeah. for many years. But I remember one game against Everton, he just the ball was like kicked really high from 
Um, I think it was like Neville Southall or someone. And, and he just brought it. He, most defenders would have headed. And I distinctly remember sort of 25 years later, he um, he brought it down on his chest and he just made all the time in the world for himself. And I thought, you know, what a role model for someone like Rio, yeah. who, you know, is his defensive partner. And what a great moment for Albion when you saw last season with, with David, his son. Yeah. It was a, probably my favourite moment of last season. Mm. Um, it was an amazing moment, but also probably indicates how bad things were. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, that is the highlight of the season, but it was a very poignant <laughs> moment. My son hopefully will, you know, follow me in as a hammer. Um, not for the one that's coming for me, he's only three, but um, he's got the kit and everything else. But that was such a nice moment to see um, Alvin and David embrace at, at Stamford mm. Bridge. The day, so yeah, Alvin would uh, definitely make the the team, and um, alongside him with Rio, uh, and again, it was that great moment against Sheffield Wednesday, that last game when Alvin sort of played his last game and Rio came on. Yeah. Passed on, yeah, yeah. So I'm sure that the, the overlap was a very poignant, fitting moment. I'm sure that um, yeah, Rio learned those from from Alvin, um, and what a player, what a player Rio was. I think he got better as he as he progressed throughout his career, Leeds and Man United. But even what we saw at West Ham for a couple of seasons, we see we had a special player. Yeah, and I think he, you know, the turning point really was that game when he played in the Youth Cup and he played in midfield. And Harry tells yeah. the story. His dad saw him. Who's this, who's this player? Reaching for the programme. And, and I don't think he was pulling up any trees at the time. But he had an outstanding game in the centre midfield. And I think he just kicked on for him. And I think he grew about five inches, by all accounts. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he has a similar age to me. He's a year above. He's virtually exactly a year older than me. But what a career he had, and um, it, it, was, it was real sad when we sold him. You know, it was sad. Time. He signed us the eighteen million, a lot of money, but then we sold him for thirty. Then they sold him for thirty million a year exactly. later. We were somewhat shortchanged, but um, yeah, great player, great ability on the ball, and he was definitely suited to like a back three at the time when we played under Harry. Yeah, um, but he could, I mean, he could play into four four two. He could play in midfield. He was, he was that good. Oh. But the one I wanted to include, but unfortunately, didn't make my um, my cut was with Ginger Pele because mm. in recent years there's no one I've really enjoyed watching as much as him in terms of like Galvin, like, apart from like yeah. the skill factor, like Payet, who I'll come on to. But there's no one that no no one in the back four for me or back five could galvanise the the crowd like like Ginger could, you know, like a crunching mm. tackle, a thunderous header, um, just absolute commitment to the badge, you know, and wanting to win every challenge. In the last couple of years, Upton Park. For me, he was a standout uh, performer at the, in the back. It was, and then when we came to the new stadium, I mean, the the, the uh, appeal from the fans to like keep him on, like sign him up, Ginger yeah. Pele. Uh, I just thought he was a, fantastic. I mean, I, I do like Obama, great great defender, and he's, yeah, and he's progressing. But he just doesn't have that crunching factor that can really get the crowd going you know, when no, he smashes the wall. But but Ginger's very fair with it. He wasn't a dirty player by any stretch of the imagination. I still felt he feel now he could do a job. He's he's doing. Um, like five Ks in like twenty-one minutes. Yeah, I do a lot of running as, as well, and he's in great condition. And um, you, you think he would do a job for if he, if he was so willing to do a job for a club? But um, I, I I really wanted to get him in, so he'd be my sort of backup. And two spells for the club as well. Some areas there, and left back, no introduction. Uh, Julian Dix. Yeah. I think any of my, my era would um, oh definitely would have Julian. And I watched with, with Dave Walker, your um, once with him, he said that you've never seen anybody from left back um, galvanise the crowd or influence or control the crowd as well as um, mm. Julian could. And that's absolutely yeah. right. Mm. I mean, he's yes. double figures in there, very influential. And again, I saw him in Romford a couple of times. Yeah, and I was and it was almost like dead scared to go up to him, even though he was like <laughs> an idol. 
even though it was it was smaller than me it was a lot wider uh, than me and stockier but he had this presence and um i did talk to him and he, he was actually very very friendly like way more than he actually looked <laughs> yeah. um, they say never meet your heroes but he was very friendly and he wanted to hear about um and there was another guy that came up to him that night i always remember it's a very drunk guy and um he was like trying to tell julian about the goal he scored like the last like last sunday game we played oh gee i scored this great goal and julian made all, like julian could have easily just brushed the guy off but um gave him all the time in the world to hear about this goal oh. so i just thought yeah a special guy it was great when he came back as the sort of assistant yeah, to have him. it was well for me i really wanted to see him on the sideline really like but i think his knees wouldn't allow it anymore yeah and it was great when he came back after that 18 months out i remember him coming out against northampton and it was just great to see him leading the team out again. Uh, yeah, I bet he was never sure. quite the same with his knees. No, he wasn't. And when you put him on his warm-up, which consisted of drinking Coke, smashing the ball against a real character and, um, and a super fan. Um, and I think um, every West Ham fan would say she played for England. Oh, definitely. And without definitely. No, yeah, so no, great, definitely not. He's he's one of those people I think outside of West Ham whose reputation went before him. Do you know what I mean? He was his thug. Yeah. He was a skinhead. He was da da da. But anyone mm. in West Ham or anyone who'd seen him play for more than ninety minutes knew he was one of the most gifted left backs this country had ever yeah. seen. Incredible left foot, and he could ping the yeah. ball. When I talk to Danny, he says like Julian could just ping it fifty yards along the floor, mm. and it would just go to the man. You know, like dead straight. Uh, no backlift, and um, yeah, just a real talent as well. And I yeah, think he came said that someone it might have been Steve Jones or someone like that, one of the forwards yeah. I yeah. interviewed said the thing about Julian Dix was he would pass it and he would make your first decision for you. So he, yeah. so it just the flight of the ball, as as you said about Danny, like you know, it you would know what he wanted you to do so your yeah. first decision was already made by it yeah. and that takes some absolute bottle and skill to do that yeah. and the thing is as well he would look after the space as well there was no one if people were in his way he would tell them where to go and you, you're damn well sure if you played with him you'd move out the way wouldn't you yeah if he was telling you to move but he would just like take care of that side of the pitch and nowadays you get a lot of players like i mean mark noble does this for me quite a lot he comes deep looking for the ball and sometimes it's a bit unnecessary doesn't need to mm. be done no um, i don't want to criticize mark but you know like it's been great servant to, to West Ham but you know sometimes they'll get in each other's way but with Dixie that he wouldn't allow that if it was, yeah if yeah you're right thinking about yeah you're, you're bang yeah. on about that because it is I mean yeah even yeah. I mean he, they, they collect it so deep the midfielders that, that it's almost like yeah. a like a one yard pass from a bonnet to Martin yeah. you're thinking it's waste of um just a bit yeah. of this it's inefficient it's inefficient and it'll, and it'll go back then it'll go sideways um, I mean, every pass that Dixie made was always, was always a, a telling forward pass. Mm. And he, could, he could carry it, he could, he could, um, he could play, and he could dribble. He had everything really for a left back. And I, even today in the modern game, you just wonder whether he, how he would cut it. But I think he would just, I think he'd be all right. I think he'd be I think okay. He'd be right. I think VAR would um, would 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 scream <laughs> over a few <laughs> times. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, and a lot of them in that area as well. But um, yeah, I think if you're that good a player, I think. He'd, because he never really got done for pace either, did he? Thinking about it, he never really got exposed. Just in, no, he's intelligent, wasn't he? He, he, he put himself in space. He played him left wing back, which wasn't the best decision. But when he played like left centre back, like where Cresswell was playing now, mm. he um he, he was outstanding. And that year he got ten goals. And he got hammered year ninety five, ninety six. He was playing virtually as a left sided centre back, and I thought that that potentially was his best position. 
Um, and again, very unlucky not to get Catherine and like Bonzo. Um, yeah, yeah, all around great player, fantastic memories. Yeah, good shout. All right, Julian's in. That's your back four and your keeper. Go on, go on, then, Phil. Yeah. You going to midfield, man? So in the midfield, it's a very attacking based <laughs> midfield, good. and there's one person in there. I think that's in keeping with John Lyle and Harry Redknapp, like two yes. two of my favourite memories we've had. And um, it was all about you know playing football the right way, just like West Ham way. Um, and keeping the ball on the deck. And that would be very necessary with his kind of players and with the front two. So a lot of stuff would be, the ball would be on the floor pretty much permanently because no one in my team, I don't think, apart from the back four, can hit it. So Scott Parker would be in the centre of midfield. Oh, nice. And, you know, I think it's worth mentioning, he's player of the year three, three times in a row. Um, you know, in, in, in amongst some very good players as well. Um, we bought a lot of players around that time, but he was like the standout performer in that kind of whatever, the decade, the noughties, you know, that, that decade from sort of tw- yeah. 2007 to 2011, I think it was at the club. And he was just phenomenal in those sort of four years that he was there. And to win Football Writers Player of the Year or Football of the Year um, when we went down, I mean, that was just incredible to have the respect of the, the football community um, and very, very much appreciated by his uh, teammates and I would love to have heard that team talk he did at West Brom, you know, when we were 3 0 down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, yeah again, we've gone down in folklore and amongst uh, the players West Ham that you, that you listen to. So, um, yeah, great player. And he would have to do all the tackling, uh, and you'll see why when the rest are revealed. Um, alongside him in centre midfield, it would be Ayle Berkovic. Now, um, I did tweet you about this, and that was like when I watched the Dave Walker on 11. And I'm going to take the Dave's line here. He, he was. He said, I've never seen a midfielder that can unlock a defence like Al Berkovic. And you know what? Neither have I. I mean, that was like so true. I mean, he, he yeah. in the final third, and I would include Joe Cole in this, you know, there was no one who I've seen that could um, slot a through ball with the weight, no. the precision that Isle could. And um, and apparently it was very str- like very tough. You couldn't really knock him off the ball. Um, quite yeah, small as well. So, yeah, yeah centre of gravity is quite low. And he suited that sort of three-five-two formation. Now I put him in a four-four-two um, purely because I like this formation, and I just wanted to get him in the team somehow. And um, yeah, we've got Parker alongside him. I think that'd be a nice mix. Yeah. And uh, he could focus on going forward, and Parker would probably have to sit a little bit more, but so be it. Um, yeah, just a great player, and it's a shame we only got two years out of him. But I think it was the right move to. I think he wanted to go, and also with Joe Cole through. I don't yeah. think the two of them could play on the same side too much. So. No. And we all were like our homegrown talent, and uh, Joe was a fantastic player. But I think when Al Berkovic was at his peak, he was just incredible. And uh, John Hartson would probably attribute a lot of his goals to him. He did, yeah, he did. In, yeah, especially for the first part of '97, '98. Uh, fantastic yeah. player. And um, and I remember a six months spell with when De Canio came. Um, I'll talk about him later. Um, when he came in, um, there was about six months when him and Berkovic played together in the same team. And some of the movement, the passing, mm. uh, like the through balls, and, and they were on a great wavelength. But not many fans will remember that period. It was only about six months, you see. It wasn't very long. But the second yeah. half of the season, when we finished fifth, um, Berkovic and, and De Canio really were like super, super to watch, sublime, you know? What a and, um, Yeah, so I, I think I think so. And, um, and obviously, we had reservations about um, De Canio coming in when um, we sold John Hartson. Yeah, and I certainly did anyway. And um, yeah, um, that'll be the rest of history, as, as, as I'll allude to later. <laughs> but, yeah, so I think that's a pretty strong uh, midfield. Yeah, midfield, yeah. 
Now, Declan Rice very close to getting in, purely if we, we need to make more defensive, um, then Declan Rice would, would be knocking on the door, sure. And uh, I'm sure he'll make many people's teams, particularly in the modern era. And, and he Partic- will become... Particularly since player. particularly since Monday. How long we keep him for, I don't know. We'll get to be realistic on that one. But a superb professional. And to have the captain's armband at, at that age is, is phenomenal. Uh, it shows it shows there's the respect of, of everyone, Definitely. doesn't he? So, but I mean, he plays like I mean, he, he's probably one modern player that I mean, he seems a really nice guy. Actually, I met him as well, and, uh, like very down to earth and, and just, a, just a good professional. He seems to love playing for, playing football for a living, which mm-hmm. is great, and plays with a smile on his face and that exuberance, you know. So it's great to see. So just to complete the midfield, you won't be surprised to hear on on the left will be um, Dimitri Payet. Yeah. Um, you know, for those 18 months, it was absolutely phenomenal for us. Oh. And really, like, after the Sam Allardyce, I actually like Sam Allardyce, I don't want to criticise him, but we didn't really have a player of that of that quality. Mm-hmm. And brought him by Sullivan, and he was just incredible for that, that 18-month period, particularly the last year at Upton Park. Mm-hmm. And I remember the game against Manchester United away in the FA Cup when he scored the goal from seemingly about 40 yards away uh, against the Hay. And I don't, know, I don't know if you were there that day, but I was behind the goal. With a good friend of mine, and we had an absolute like it just didn't seem to happen in slow motion. Like, did that actually happen? And yeah. we celebrated the goal, like you know, when they when when Dill and Rodney win the millions or only four, and it was like that for a moment, and then they just go absolutely <laughs> crazy. And that's how I celebrated that goal. And it's probably the goal I've celebrated the most in my time as a hammer. Um, and we were the front row of the upper tier behind the goal at Old Trap. Forget the name of the stand, but behind the goal, and we, we had a moment's pause, as I say, and then we, me and my mate, just like kept shaking each other. But like, are we yeah, seen for a long, long time. It's just an amazing experience, I and I really thought that you were going to win the cup. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah devastating, really, to to get to for them to equalise and then beat us in the replay. Yeah. After you part. thought I mean, it was thought, I mean, the cup that year. You thought that was going to be written in the stars that year, do you know what I mean? Because it's just like it would have been the perfect fairy tale ending. And someone I mentioned, I can't remember who it was, someone I interviewed, a player, might even be McAvenny or something like that, said, You know, when it's a good goal, when people don't cheer immediately, there's a pause of disbelief, and then, and then the cheer. And like that, that goal exactly. It's like, Yeah, that's probably the best thing. Unfortunately, I didn't think I was going to get to Wimbledon, but I didn't see it live. I was as a rapper at the time. But um, that goal was incredible, Pius' goal. And uh, again, yeah. that season, there was a couple of free kicks, weren't there? And some goals in open play, the Crystal Palace one. And in, in the in the six months, or in the first half of the season, he did the new stage, and the goal gets Middlesbrough. There were some great moments. And, um, yeah, we, it was a privilege to have him at the club. But it was just yes. a shame the way it ended, really. But, um, yeah, other contenders for, like, Matty Eflinton, did a great job for us. And I'm just a little bit too young for Alan Devonshire on the list. but yeah. He was pretty good, but I did see him play, but not in his heyday, really. So, no, it's clearly brilliant for me on the list. And on the right, I've um, got another Israeli, um, uh, Yossi Benayoun uh, on the right hand side. I thought, uh, again, only with us a couple of years. Oh, and did two spells actually, didn't he? Came back again, but yeah, I'm thinking more from his first spell, yeah, where yeah. he was a tremendous player. I remember when we bought him, um, I think racing Santander, Santander, and he, I mean, we bought him for a couple of. About two and a half million, but it was just a little bit of quality yeah. needed coming up in the championship. We we lacked that little bit of flair, um, and he could play on the left or the right. I, I'm, I think it was better on the right, and he scored some phenomenal goals. I mean, the one against Fulham, I always remember when he sort of oh, chipped yeah. it over the goalkeeper. And um, 
Yeah, and they're going to go against Spurs. I think the importance yeah. of that goal win on the Lasagna game, tremendous. Uh, just a good player, and I think appreciated by teammates as well. And again, very strong, yeah, tough very on the ball, dispossess, never gave the ball away. And he was incredible in the running as well, with the Great Escape, uh, 2006. Yeah. yeah, so I remember going to Wigan away that day, and he was absolutely outstanding. We won 3 0. Uh, we had the, uh, the coaches were laid on by the club for free. We went, went up there, and again, I, I actually, they, they, those three goals were celebrated with a similar intensity as that one at Man United some years later. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that was a great day, Wigan away, and then Eggert Magnusson was uh, coming into the fans at the end and getting absolutely yeah. more. Um, but good times, uh, you obviously spelt the club and you couldn't really, yeah, you can understand them going with Liverpool coming in for you. Of course you can. And I mean, I think he's the first, He's the, he was the first player to score hat-tricks in the Champions League, Premier League, FA yeah. Cup and maybe the League Cup. Or, you know, obviously I think three or four people have done it since, but he was great. Yeah. And he, you're right, he was really, it was because he was, he was wiry, very wiry yeah. player. But unlike Matty Effrington, who looked like, yeah. by, and, you know, and I've spoken to him about this, it looked like, you know, a strong wind would knock him down. Yoshi yeah. apparently yeah. loved, <laughs> Yoshi yeah. loved a tackle. He loved getting oh, involved yeah. in training. And um, you could see yeah, that. Yeah, he, he could handle himself, couldn't he? Yeah, which I think is, exactly. you know, in the modern game, well, relatively modern, you have to do that. Um, but he, he was stronger than his sort of physique suggested. And, and um, yeah. yeah, really good player. Really, really good player. And um, yeah, for me, he would, he would make the right-hand side midfield. Uh, Trevor Sinclair would, would, run him, would run him fairly close just for his, like, all-in game. Yeah. And, um, this is a good guy as well, Trev. Um, yeah, but I think you're still just a tad more quality, really. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, different kind of players. Yeah. And I think, yeah, you're right. Yoshi was had that, I don't know, he just had that sort of schwa de vie about him. You know, yeah, just yeah, like... You yeah. know, I like players, I like ball players. You know, players that can actually get the ball down, play, little one-twos, give and goes, you know, those type of players. And I think he could play, like... But he could probably play in the hole as well. He could probably have been another 10 if, if the system suited. But <laughs> in terms of the... Because uh, I don't know we really played that formation then at the club. But in terms of um, you know, right-hand side of midfield, yeah, he would get it. And obviously, Mark Ward, a little bit too young for me. Me too. Was a bit, I was a bit too young for him, sorry. <laughs> but great player. <laughs> um, yeah, um, that's the midfield. Yeah. And up front, I've alluded to this guy a few times now, Paolo Di Canio. Of course. Would be... Um, uh, an obvious pick, and I remember the goal against Wimbledon. What a fantastic goal it was! I was in Loughborough at the time, um, watching it there. It was a real regret of mine that I didn't go to that game because at university, and I didn't go to the Manchester United FA Cup game. So, everyone and every other fan seemed to have gone to, to both of those games, but yeah, you know, given the amount of games I've been to over the years, they were the two main ones that I kind of wasn't at for. For, for two different reasons. And um, both, yeah, both times. Yeah, both pretty good reasons. But um, a real regret that I didn't actually get the goal in the flesh. But I do remember, I played football that morning, uh, a Sunday morning football up in Loughborough. And I remember um, I remember jumping up in this, this pub called the Pageant uh, Arms, yes. near where I was living. Remember that I remember one? The yeah, I remember the Pageant. Still there. I go back to Loughborough once or twice a year. Oh, and... Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, it's still there. I think it's changed its name now, but it's the same pub. And I remember um, that was a day where Canute made his debut as well. And it was probably one of the best debuts yeah. I've ever seen. He was a good player, Freddie Canute. Brilliant. One, player. Of the best player, one of the best player uh, debuts I've ever seen. If you're up, up there with West Ham debuts, 
I mean, the, the guy who played Sunday, I thought it was a terrific game. Who felt? Yeah. But in definitely. terms of uh, a forward coming in and um, absolutely running Wimbledon ragged um, that day was was Freddie Canute. But that, you know, obviously we remember Depenio's goal. I remember jumping up, and I remember my, my hamstrings were so tight because I'd um, played football in the morning and really stretched. I rushed back to the pub, so I, I mean, not that anyone stretched after the game, like that. <laughs> but I went back to the pub to watch the to watch the game. There were a couple of hammers that were uh, um, and sometimes I just watched them by myself. I didn't care. I mean, there was a few West Ham fans about, yeah, um, which I didn't know you at the time. Um, but uh, I remember leaping up and uh, sort of doing my hamstring, but uh, it was like, just pure cramp. And, uh, but I, I didn't care. Really. It was just such a good goal. And you know, we were going in the next day to the lectures, and everyone was sort of giving me praise for the goal, like, "Oh, you hammer all yeah. the goal." I didn't score it, but I'm happy to take the, the praise for exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because obviously there wasn't many fans up there, you know, West Ham fans being in, in yeah. the Midlands. But um, terrific goal, great personality. It's a shame he didn't do it a little bit more away from home. Um, but yeah. I think what he did, Upton Park, he, that was his arena, wasn't it, Paolo? It was. That was his, his church. That was his church, whatever you know, analogy you want to use. That that he was so comfortable at West Ham. Yeah, and, um, he was. Tremendous there. And um, his partner up front would be, um, well, he's going to be Tony Cotty. Who two spells at the club? Um, again, he made you. He was one of the reasons I fell in love with football and scoring goals. And, um, he was so prolific. I mean, Frank McAvenny the same. But I remember. Yeah. I think more the spell was like was more obviously lives in the memory for me a lot more. I mean, mm-hmm. some of the his first spell that obviously you see a lot on the VHS, the old tapes that I used to watch. But I do remember him as well. But more like vivid memories from his second spell. When he, yeah, you know, he was a prolific goal scorer. Uh, and a fan as well. We love the club. And I think that's very important uh, to remember. And I don't think you can begrudge him leaving. And he did because it was a record transfer. I mean, who's going to stand yeah. in his way? I don't think the club showed the ambition at the time that we could have done. No. So he, he for me, should have remembered as an absolute great always. And again, not very tall, as Tony Gale always seems to mention, you know, <laughs> when, when uh, he's on about, about his height. Um, and neither. So for in terms of my team, it has to be ball on the floor, one twos, give and goes, you know, like, Running, yeah. beating the last one, and just hopefully beat any team just by um, sheer goal and um, wit, and um, yeah, just playing football the right way, the West Ham way. So, Tony yeah, exactly. uh, yeah, would complete the lineup. Um, yeah, and a tremendous goal scorer, probably one of the best finishes we've had. And Jermaine Defoe, you could argue, was up there as well in terms of an out-and-out finish. Yeah, um, but again, not. Didn't have the longevity that TC had. No, no, no. And we lost the club under a cloud. Um, but you know, TC was 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 tremendous, and it's great to see him come him on the train going to the games, like yeah. amongst the fans. And you see him on the platform at Stratford, going back towards uh, Essex after the games, and he's and he always like ch- stops the chat, and it and he's created that link with that area. You know, they're mixing in with the fans, and, and sometimes you see Anton as well on the same platform, and Gary, yeah. uh, quite sociable, and, you know, along you, the platform. You're right, and but I think it's because of, you know all them lot, TC and Macker and Gailey and they all do the they all do the after dinner circuit, don't they? They all do their sort of yeah. down down the Queens, or they used to do it down the Queens or the Cliffs or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. there. Yeah. And um, they're great and they're just lovely blokes. Yeah, exactly. People like that, you know, watching them guys. Reason I fell in love with West Ham. Yeah, wearing this shirt, and it's uh, you know it's just it's just a great club, West Ham. Um, and again, you know, people don't realise what, what a well-supported club West Ham are. The only one that comes True. to the area, come to a pub to watch a West Ham game, packed yeah. to the rafters. You know, in Brentwood, where I, where I live now, 
uh, took a friend once to the pub and he just could not believe the fan base. This you want this many people in a pub on a Wednesday night watching Man United West Ham on TV. Crazy. You know, and it was like incredible. And um, you know, when you travel away and I miss the away games, I really do. Uh, yeah. I, I tried to get to the football all year. Um, and they're so much fun, aren't they compared arguably compared to the home games. They're just different. Yeah. It's just different. It's yeah, it's different. To see. I do do miss them and um, try and get to as many as I can really. Although I, although I, I did, I, I used to. That's why I used to like going to being in Loughborough because you know you were quite, you were in the Midlands. It was quite easy yeah. to get to away games. So like Leicester, I'd go to every year, and I think one a few times it was over Christmas. So I was I yeah, had a house. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. And I got a great story. Um, got a good friend of my like a new back then, Dave Terrace. He uh, did. I don't know if you know Dave. He used to do the. Uh, he's on LBC Radio. He's quite. He works in, in radio and the media. Sure. And he used to sell the um, OLAS, the Overland and Sea. Yeah. So he used to see the players coming off the coach. And we obviously knew like Gary Fermager, uh, another good friend of mine, Greg Mansell, used to sell it as well. So I kind of knew those guys a little bit. Um, and I remember going to Leicester away. I jumped on the train at Loughborough. And uh, I already had tickets for the game sorted. I, I remember meeting Dave outside the ground. And uh, he said, oh, I haven't got a ticket. And um, when so the players, he was waiting around for the players to get off the coach, and Harry and the team like get off the coach uh, about half past one or so, three o'clock kickoff. And um, Dave calls Harry, and Harry comes over. Hi, Dave, you're right. Because Harry would talk to all the people, wouldn't he? That was like, yeah. and um, and he said, "Oh, I've got a ticket, uh, Harry. Is, is there anything you can do? I hate to ask, but you know, do you have a ticket at all?" And uh, he said, "Oh, Dave, I don't know if I have. You know, there's there's, there's hardly anything today. Hardly any tickets going." So, we, so David kind of written it off and sort of stood around for a bit more. And it must have been about quarter to three, quarter to three outside the um, the away end, and or the, like the end, the entrance to the uh, where the players going basically. Yeah. yeah and um, yeah. Like, and he must have had about five or six tickets with him. And he goes, actually, David, you go, and you just give him the ticket, you know. Like so, I just thought that, that sort of sums Harry up as well. And I was thinking, should he not should he be doing like the team talk or something like that? <laughs> um, but I remember we won three one, so uh, so fair enough. <laughs> But I thought what a lovely thing for Harry to do. And I'll always remember Harry for that. That's the, first, that's the only time I think I've ever seen Harry. But he came up and he hadn't forgotten the request about an hour earlier for tickets. And he'd obviously gone around and sorted the tickets out. And, uh, and Dave was obviously very, very happy with it. So some great memories and great characters uh, with West Ham. And, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you about it, really. Thank you. No, it's been great, Phil. It's been lovely reliving. And as I said, it's like it's it's because because we share almost exactly the same timeline as well. That's yeah. what I love because it's like oh yeah, oh yeah, like you know, it's just it's like you know. Thing, I wish my degree could have been in West Ham United. I wish yeah. it, which I could have got some you know some uh, results. Mine, mine was poli- mine was politics with media studies. It was only fucking oh, three hours yeah. a week, so yeah. I did all right. <laughs> Although my so house. Those games in the Midlands are good, but the only thing with Nottingham Forest, they weren't in the, t- the same division at the time. So no. it was I never went to the sit ground. Still to this day, I've never been. So that's on the yeah. list at some point. Sure. Hopefully, Chris Newton can get them up and um, we can go to, to there again. But we went to yeah. a couple of like dudes there, like, you know, um, proms or balls, you know, and, or and dinners at, at the city ground and Trent Bridge, but never actually went to a game, a game there. That was a, that's a, that's a regret as well. But it's purely because yeah. they weren't in the same division. Leicester was. Leicester was. We, I mean, my, me and my housemates, we used to, because obviously I'll be doing the, we used to do the, annou- used to do the announcing at the, we do the music and stuff for the reserve games back at Upton Park. So obviously oh, okay. I would, I would always, so they would, I would jump in, they'd jump in my clapped out Fiesta and we'd bomb it down, you know, the <laughs> M1 um, to watch us, 
you know, grind out a nil-nil draw against you know, Fulham reserves on a Tuesday night yeah. and then come back again. And um, it was, yeah, my, because one housemate was a Sheffield Wednesday fan. So he was like, he'd always come yeah. with me to Sheffield United away. And yeah, the yeah. other one was um, a Leeds fan. He was Don Revy's grandson. So we'd go yeah. and see Leeds quite a bit as well during that time as well. But uh, yeah. yeah, great days. Great days. I remember one day, the Loughborough University, an incredible football team. And they, yeah. uh, they played against Burton Villa Reserves. I mean, once. And you had the likes of like Stan Collymore playing. We were stood right there in full person. I don't know if you remember that. But um, yeah. Villa brought a strong team one day. And then. And they were all out in the um, the union after as well, like Collie Moore and uh, Course they Paul Murphy and Mark Draper. There were some good players, you know, amongst them. It was really good to literally stand on the side of the pitch and uh, see some like top Premier League players or, yeah. or had been top players at the time. Yeah. And Merson was great with interacting with the, the, the students and everything else. And oh, yeah, uh, there was one guy in my course that was just like doing a management degree, but you know, in the morning, did his lectures in the morning, in the afternoon he was lining up against Paul Merson. So, <laughs> you know, it's just really, really good times. And, uh, you know, if I could relive that era again, I really would. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. No, definitely, man. Definitely. Anyway, Phil, it's, it's been great reminiscing about Loughborough yeah, and as yeah, well as West Ham. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah, we get a bit of West Ham in as well. <laughs> yeah, we do a little bit of West Ham, but about, about, yeah, doing a little rough, rough reunion as well. Um, so thank yeah. you, mate. And obviously, thank you so much for watching um, or listening on you know because we're on all the podcasting stuff as well now so wherever you're watching it on youtube or spotify or apple podcast or alexa or whatever make sure you give it a follow make sure you give it a like give it a share and until next time for me and phil take care everyone stay safe it's very very important at the moment come on you irons and we'll see you again very very soon take care everyone see ya sports social podcast network with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.